When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it's Dan. This is the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is our Wednesday edition. Mary Kay, Scott, and I answer questions from our text subscribers. If you want to get involved in Football Insider, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you just listen to some of our subscribers tell you why they love Football Insider, then you can go to cleveland.com slash browns and check it out. What is it about Football Insider? Why do you subscribe? Honestly, Dan, it's your promos at the start of every podcast. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> why would you not want to get the knowledge first. Why would you not want those texts in your phone? I just, I smile every time they come up. I like to use these little nuggets and conversations with my friends, act like I'm, I just know more than they do because, you know, I do because I got the, the information going directly into my phone. Playoffs is going to happen this year. It's just really nice to get, to listen to you guys. You guys are like my movie stars as a sports fan and uh, to get the information, uh, the emails and the, um, post-game pod, you know, and stuff. It's just, it's been the best money I spent. And I just think as Browns fan, we're, we're lucky to have the coverage that you guys provide. I don't think the other teams in the league have this kind of coverage. I live in LA and I can guarantee the Rams and the Chargers don't have this kind of coverage, nor do they have the fan base that would appreciate it. I read cleveland.com every day for the sports. I read it more than the LA Times. And you, know, you keep me in touch with home. And having the depth of information that you all provide handed over to you is invaluable. And at the price that's being charged, it's, I can't even begin to tell you how much I've enjoyed it. Here's a promo. Uh, if you want to sign up for football insider, go to cleveland.com slash Browns and hit the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get involved in stuff like this. Away we go here on our Wednesday podcast, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, and Scott Patsko, our texter questions. And we're going to start with this one uh, because I think this is an interesting question and it's something the Browns have done well. And it's something we kind of talked about a little bit yesterday, Mary Kay with Doug, but just look, the Chiefs rested uh, most of their starters in week 17. It's, uh, it's the only reason they lost a second game. They had the bye week. And there is always this rest versus rest debate. And I, you know, I think it's a really interesting debate when you talk about a team that has a buy because now you're getting two weeks off. Um, it, does that increase the chances? And this comes from the 614 area code. Do you think that them basically having 20 days off from live game reps? I don't know. The number seems high, but whatever day, however many days it is, gives the Browns an opportunity to get off to one of those quick starts that we've seen against, you know, Tennessee, that we saw against Pittsburgh, Dallas. We've seen this team pounce early against teams. And, and could this rest that Kansas City is trying to get almost benefit the Browns? Absolutely, 100%, yes. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers were not ready uh, for the intensity that the Browns brought. The Browns decided they were coming in, they were going to plant their flag, and they were going to impose their will on the Steelers. Well, they haven't lost that feeling. They're going to go into Kansas City, and they're going to try to do the same thing. And this Cleveland Browns team, in case anybody's not paying attention, believes they can beat anybody. 
So they're going to go in there. They're going to blow into Kansas City like a tornado again. And the Kansas City Chiefs had better be ready for what they're about to face because the Browns are worked up into a lather and they plan on blowing through these playoffs and they are not ready to stop anytime soon. So if these guys are resting up and thinking they just have to get through their first round on the way back to the Super Bowl, they're going to be very sorry uh, with what happens on Sunday. I don't agree. <laughs> I, I think that I think last week has a lot to do with the fact that Kansas City is going to be very aware of what the Browns are capable of doing. You know, um, the Steelers almost beat the Browns with a lot of backups on the field, you know, week 17. Then you turn around, you know, you're getting Ben Roethlisberger back and other key players. And I don't know how much not playing for a week really mattered at that point, but it, it was a different situation. I think now the chiefs watch that game, obviously they know exactly what the Browns did. Um, I, I would be shocked if, if the Browns, if there was anything that happened in this game where you would, where you would look at it and say, wow, the chiefs were just weren't ready or, or man, Patrick Mahomes looked rusty and, and that time off hurt him. That would just be really surprising to me. I think that the chiefs clearly aren't going to forget how to play football and uh, they're just a different animal compared to the Steelers. I, I don't know. I, I just don't see that being a, the same situation this week. By the way, point for the texter. His math was pretty close. His or her math was pretty close. I think it's going to be about 21 days um, since that the Chiefs started resting, guys. You know, the other thing to this, even if they are rusty, I mean, this is a football team that you just go back to last year. Uh, you know, they fell behind to the Texans 24 nothing, mm -hmm. and then they led that game at halftime. Um, they felt they were behind the 49ers in the Super Bowl. They were behind, um, I believe they were behind in their other game as well against the Titans. I'm, I'm looking that up now. They were down 17-7 um, to the Titans. So this is a Chiefs team that doesn't really flinch when they get behind. It's just nothing new to them. Um, now the Browns offensively are a team that they can score and can control the clock if they want to do that. We've talked about that Chiefs run defense. It is not very good. So maybe if the Browns did build a lead, they could try and shorten that game a little bit. But, you know, the problem, the problem is kind of even going back to that Dallas game a little bit, which is an offense close to the Chiefs, at least when they had Dak and as quick strike as they were. Uh, the problem is the Chiefs only need like two plays and, and they can get back in a game like that. Yeah, they can, obviously. I mean, they're they the Chiefs. We've seen exactly what they can do. We know what they're capable of. Uh, you know, I'm expecting, uh, I was asked on uh, Kansas City Radio today, do you think that the Browns could possibly get into a shootout? I'm like, you obviously <laughs> haven't been watching the Cleveland Browns this season. Uh, the Browns can 100% get into a shootout because the lights have come on for Baker Mayfield. 14 touchdowns, one interception in the last 10 games. They are explosive. This is a very explosive offense. So they can keep pace with the Kansas City Chiefs, especially considering, as you mentioned, their run defense is 21st overall, uh, but 31st in, uh, in Football Outsiders DVOA. Uh, that's pretty bad to be 31st in, in run defense DVOA when you've got a very motivated Kareem Hunt coming to town and an extremely motivated Nick Chubb coming to town. And, uh, and I, I really think that, uh, you know, that the chiefs are going to have to be really ready to play their best football to beat the Browns, because I think the Browns defense with Denzel Ward coming back 
Kevin Johnson coming back and Ronnie Harrison playing, uh, I, I think that they actually have an opportunity to rise to the challenge a little bit here and maybe get a couple of takeaways. Now, Patrick Mahomes has only thrown six interceptions this year, but four of them have come in his last, in his last three games, including three against the Dolphins, okay? So for whatever reason, he was making a few mistakes. I haven't dug in to find out exactly why, uh, but four interceptions in his last three games. Well, the Browns have a nose for the football. That's what they do. They find a way to get takeaways. So whatever deficiencies they have on defense, and those are going to be a little bit less than they have been with Kevin Johnson and Denzel Ward back for sure. Uh, they can kind of make up for it by coming through and taking the ball away. So I, I think it's, I think they match up really, really well against the chiefs. And, and I, I think the chiefs are going to have to, to get themselves uh, worked up into a super bowl style frenzy to win this game. It, it definitely is a good matchup. And I think you're right about momentum. It, it does matter that the Browns, have momentum going into this game. It's a much better situation for them to be playing the Chiefs in their second game than it would have been. Obviously, they play in the first game. Now you 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 won a game and you proved you can do it. And both sides of the ball uh, did a lot of great things against the Steelers. Um, you mentioned the the rushing uh, DVOA. The the Chiefs are actually really bad at stopping short yardage. I think they're actually thirty second in uh, power success rate, which is those those short yardage situations. The, the Browns are really bad on offense in those situations. I'm really looking forward to uh, like a Browns, you know, first and goal from the four and what happens there because you have just futility against futility, you know, <laughs> who's going to be worse in that situation. It's a weak, weakness versus weakness. That's, that's why we watch the NFL, right? Yeah. Battles like that. Um, so th this was brought up, Mary Kay, you mentioned Ronnie Harrison uh, only played 11 snaps on Sunday uh, against the Steelers. And so a, a few people actually jumped in and asked about Ronnie Harrison. I, I guess I'm, I'm going to take their question a different direction. How important is he in this game specifically? Because obviously he's still working his way back from that injury. Uh, he, he's not ready to take on quite that workload that he had early in the year. But let's say he's able to jump that up to half the defensive snaps. You know, or I don't know, maybe he'll be able to jump it up to even that. How vital is he to this defense against the Chiefs specifically in this matchup? I think he is very important. I mean, just to try to help stop Travis Kelsey, you know what I mean? Like, and Tyreek Hill and all the other weapons that these guys have, Bell, uh, I think Ronnie Harrison coming back and doubling those snaps will be absolutely key. And, and I, so I think that's huge. And I do think Denzel and Kevin Johnson. I mean, it just, it really, it completely changes your whole entire secondary, your game plan. It changes what the offense can try to do to you. I mean, you know, you're just not going to make the plays on Denzel Ward and Kevin Johnson that you were able to make on Robert Jackson. I mean, that's just, uh, Denzel was having a, a phenomenal season. Scott, you'll know the answer to this. His 18 pass breakups in his, in the only, the amount of games that he's played because he has missed now um, four games, his 18 pass breakups ranked where in the NFL, they were really high up like third or something. Right. Yeah. I'm looking that up. Talk amongst yourselves. 
Yeah. So <laughs> the point is, he would be leading the NFL in pass breakups this season, I believe, had he played all of his games. Now, the thing that we don't know about Denzel is how is he going to come back from COVID? Okay. Nobody knows the answer to that. He doesn't even know the answer to that yet because Miles, I'm sure, thought he was going to come back with a vengeance in his first game back from COVID-19 and be the Miles that he was in the first couple games of the season. And he's still working his way back. I actually thought he sounded the tiniest bit under the weather in his post game. Did, did anybody else feel like that? You know, I didn't get a chance to hear Miles in, in his post game on Sunday, so, so I'm not sure. Um, but he's, he's kind of sounded like that for, you know, a couple weeks, you yeah. know, really since he came back going back yeah. to the Giants game, I think. Yeah. So we don't know yet what Denzel we're going to get or what Kevin Johnson we're going to get because those guys both had symptoms. I know that for a fact. They were both symptomatic. And now that's basically been confirmed by them not playing in Pittsburgh. You know, that's the reason why they couldn't come back uh, in a timely fashion. So we don't know if, if Denzel is going to be winded. We don't know if Ronnie Harrison is still going to be ailing a little bit with the shoulder. Uh, but uh, half of Denzel and half of Ronnie is better than 0% of both of them. It, uh, Ward had, uh, well, PFF has him with 10 pass breakups in 12 games, but that's ranked 11th. And there's only one other player with, with uh, as few games as he's played uh, in the top 10. So yeah, he's, uh, he's ranked pretty high there. Uh, well, as far I, I saw the last number I saw, he had like 18. Hmm. I mean, he, he left the lineup with like, yeah, I think it's. I think he's got more than. That. I don't know. I thought different well, places. I, I know. Uh, I know. PFF. Um, sometimes their sack numbers don't align with like league oh, sack. Okay. They 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 kind of keep their own numbers. I got you. Yeah, a half sack for on um, PFF is a full sack. So some things on on PFF are a little different. But um, okay. as far you. as Harrison goes, yeah, definitely he's a, a big key to this uh, coverage wise. Um, he had he had, I think he had four tackles in those eleven snaps, and one of them was the big third and one stop all their safeties played well. Like they played all four of them and all played well. Red one had the, the pick Joseph had uh, the, the fumble recovery and he's, he pressured Roethlisberger into the Stewart pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sandejo, uh, he had, I think his second best defensive grade of the season in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's gotta be encouraging for uh, a group that really hasn't performed very well week to week outside of Harrison, uh, but getting him back, and being able to play him a lot is, is going to matter in this game because, yeah, Kelsey, no one's been able to stop him all season. The Browns certainly aren't, but you want your best coverage safety out there in a position to possibly make plays against him. Well, Scott, I'm glad you brought that up because we had at least three people, at least, and there might have been more, who basically asked, how are the Browns going to stop Travis Kelsey? I don't know if this will be a topic on got to watch the tape at some point this week or not, but um, you know, we didn't get a linebacker question this week, but this is, I guess, sort of a linebacker question. How, you know, the thing about Kelsey that makes him so hard is not just the player he is, but you know, sort of like with Jarvis and Baker, you know, Kelsey and Mahomes are just on that same page when a play breaks down and he's going to find a spot where the defense isn't. And it turns, you know, what should be a, seven or eight yard sack into a first down. Um, he, that's what makes this offense so hard. And Travis Kelsey is such a key piece of this. So, I mean, 
I guess you kind of brought it up, Scott, but how are they going to slow this guy down? Uh, yeah, we're, we're diving into that uh, at the moment. We're going to, we're going to have a, our Friday podcast is going to get into like what are the Browns going to do in this game to, uh, to attack the chiefs on defense and then slow down this offense. I think one of the keys to, to making that happen is getting good pressure on Mahomes and obviously he's great on the run, but actually bringing him down and, and causing him to throw off target and, and just not be his usual good self. I think that's the best way to keep, you know, Tyree kill from, from, from killing you and from Kelsey, from, from finding those spots in the zone and from being a guy that Mahomes finds when he's running around. Um, it all starts with getting pressure on the quarterback, I think, because they're both really good at just finding spots and, and getting, I mean, Kel, uh, Hill obviously has got his speed, but Kelsey just finds those spots in the defense. And even if he's not doing that, he's just hard to cover from a physical standpoint. So yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's more about getting pressure up front than it is about finding people who can run with him. If, if you had to though, if you had to put a linebacker, like specifically uh, it's the practice week, you're Joe Woods and you're saying, okay, I need you all over Travis Kelsey. Who would you pick? It was, I mean, Malcolm Smith's their best coverage linebacker. That's what I would do. Um, but, you know, I, I guess you have to see that, <laughs> that situation in action to see how, how good it is. There's going to be a lot of zone. There's going to be a lot of uh, people in charge of certain areas. I mean, they know the routes that, that Kansas City likes to run and, and they're going to they're gonna game plan for that. But Malcolm Smith is the guy that if you were going to go one-on-one, Mm-hmm. he's been your best coverage linebacker this season right um yeah I mean you'd love it to be Mac Wilson I think but he just has not no. been up to the task this season Mm-mm. um you know after last year's training camp you would have thought he was the guy headed for that spot but but it hasn't happened Mm-mm. yeah that, that's um the, you know that that's how the Chiefs kill you right you you figure out a way to slow down Travis Kelsey and then all of a sudden one of those receivers is, is down the field making a, a big play um from the 419 area code, and, and this is kind of a tough one. Look, I haven't gone back and watched either of these games. Uh, well, I mean, I, I watched the one Raiders-Chiefs game in real, in real time. Um, I did not watch the first one. But th- this person is asking, can the Browns use the Raiders game plan from their first game to, to beat the Chiefs? But, you know, again, I'll, I'll kind of spin this one a, a little bit. Are the, are the Raiders a template for the Browns, or are they just too different of a team? Because I think early in the year, when the Raiders and Browns played, I thought they were actually kind of similar, you know, kind of run the ball control possession type teams. But I think the Browns have sort of changed a little bit, you know, they're part of it was the weather. They've just gotten more aggressive since they've started playing in better weather, but uh, you've got to imagine that that Joe Woods and and Kevin Stefanski are at least pulling up that tape of, of what the Raiders did because they beat the chiefs once and they almost did it a second time. Yeah. I have to go back and figure out exactly what the Raiders did to beat the Chiefs. And of course, we're just all kind of getting it together here <laughs> and, and figuring all this out and digging in and investigating and trying to, uh, you know, solve some of these mysteries. So I don't, I don't know exactly what they did do. Um, but I do think uh, that the Browns have enough that they do really well, that that is going to match up pretty well against the Chiefs, including their offensive line versus the Chiefs defenses 
defensive line. I, I think their offensive line, especially if Jack Conklin comes back, that that's going to be key. Uh, but I think that they can, they can win that battle. And, and I think that will help them tremendously uh, if, if they can do that, because if they can do that, then that keeps the running game viable. Then you can run your play action. You can run your keepers. Uh, you can do all the, all the things that you like to do, including, you know, running the ball and, if you're converting those third downs and trying to keep Patrick off the field a little bit, as much as you can, like you said, it only takes two passes sometimes for, for them to be back in, in the end zone. Um, but I think there will be a lot to be said for uh, the Browns offensive line dominating this game. Well, I think it's worth noting that both those games were kind of shootouts. Um, yeah. You know, 40, 32, uh, 35-31, and I just I think most people at this point are thinking if the Browns are going to win this game, it's going to be a score like that. You know, it's both these defenses are very similar, and they both have uh, some glaring weaknesses, and both offenses uh, are able to score on you know they're able to run up scores on on anybody. I think that's ideally if you're the Browns, the Browns will say that they don't want to get into a a shootout with the chiefs, but I think that's something that they kind of have to do and they should probably lean into that and think that we're, you know, if fourth and fourth and goal, you have to go for it. And then like, you know, last night, I guess we watched Ohio state and Alabama and Ohio state at some point settled for a field goal. And I thought that's not how you're going to win this game. <laughs> you have to keep scoring touchdowns because Alabama is going to keep scoring touchdowns. And I think the Browns are going to be in the same situation there it's going to be four down territory in a lot of time, a lot of situations in this game, and they're going to have to, to match touchdowns with Kansas city. Well, now Sammy Watkins just fired up the Browns. So, um, so yeah, now this is going to be interesting. Uh, someone said, looks like we've got some competition next week. And Sammy Watkins answered, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> so if All right, then. If anybody's looking for a little bit of bulletin board material, <laughs> Sammy Watkins, uh, why, why do these guys do this? Can, can I ask you guys that question? Why do they do this? <laughs> why, like, why, why would people be that dumb <clears throat> to do this? I mean, they're, they're confident young men. They, I mean, look, they, they say similar things when they're actually on the field, you know? Yeah. You, you're in the heat of a game and you're, and you're talking back and forth with the other players. So it's just kind of a carryover. And I'm sure that this isn't anything different from what Watkins might say during the game or what Smith Schuster might've said, you know, during the game against the Browns. But wouldn't he have learned from what happened with Juju Smith Schuster and the Browns obviously made it so clear that that fired them up like crazy. You would think that that kind of made its way over to Kansas city somehow, wouldn't it have? <laughs> if people were really concerned about, trash talking coming back to haunt them no one would ever trash talk again but clearly there are a ton of people who just don't care and they just yeah. kind of wipe it from their memory and all right this might come back to haunt me but i don't care i'm gonna say it and right yeah. exactly well one lesson real quick going back to that the second chiefs raiders game don't score your go-ahead points with 143 left do the old uh do, do the old no moss yeah. Tell your, tell your guy to go out of bounds at the one yard line and, and try and run some clock before you score your, your, uh, your go ahead points there. Um, all right. Let me pull up my, uh, my sheet here and get to another question. Uh, here we go. Let's look ahead a little bit. 
Let, let's do a little bulletin board material of our own from the 614 area code. If the Browns somehow beat Kansas City, who, who would you rather see them play in the uh, in the AFC championship game? For whatever reason, it can be any reason you want, either Baltimore or Buffalo. Who, who would you rather see this team play if they beat Kansas City? That, that's a really good question because uh, there are so many good reasons to, to want them to play either team. I mean, if, if they play the Bills, you've got the whole humongous Baker Mayfield versus Josh Allen thing. You know, I mean, there was some talk, I come to find out afterwards that it wasn't really super serious that they would have considered taking Josh Allen number one overall because John Dorsey later revealed that, you know, he knew since October that he was taking Baker Mayfield, even before he took the job. That was his guy. And, and they didn't really, really seriously consider taking Josh Allen, which is kind of funny now when you think about it. Um, but so that, that would be amazing. I, I think that sets up. I think the Bills are a, a really, really, really good team on both sides of the ball. But then, of course, an opportunity to go knock out the Baltimore Ravens, your AFC North rivals. So you walk all over the Pittsburgh Steelers to get there. And then you have a chance to blow through the Ravens to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, that might almost be better. I think in terms of symbolism, the, the Ravens, I think, would be at the top of the list because not only did you just beat the Steelers first playoff game in 18 years, first time you beat them in the playoffs, to, to beat the former Browns, to get to the Super Bowl, your first Super Bowl, I think uh, – would exercise a lot of demons and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if the city could handle that, but I think the, the Browns and the Ravens, I think that would be a, a great storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know, I, I love the, the uh, Browns bills, long suffering fan bases kind of uh, kind of storyline, but yeah, I mean, look an AFC North showdown for the AFC championship, you know, Lamar Jackson versus, uh, versus Baker Mayfield, and yeah, that, that would be a, a fun matchup. So I think I would go with with the Ravens just from the uh, just from the, the storyline standpoint. Uh, from the nine one four, and then we had we actually had two contract extension questions, which I know we all love. Two contract extension questions. Uh, one about Baker, and you know I think we can just answer this one quickly enough as far as. Um, you know, whether or not Baker would get an extension this, this off season, it feels like a no brainer at this point. Um, I think we, we talked a little bit about that on the post game show, but I, I'll ask you this. If you're Baker Mayfield, and I don't think he, he would ever do this. Would there be any benefit to you saying, oh, I'm going to wait just a little bit. I'm going to show you guys what I, what I can do for another season. And then I'm going to look to get some of that Deshaun Watson and, and Patrick Mahomes money. Maybe I don't think he would do that. I think that would be crazy. You take the money when you can get it. But, you know, just as a pure hypothetical, could there be any benefit to him saying, "Eh, let's maybe wait and see what happens? You know what? I would say the answer to that would be no, because first of all, if you are going to sign him to the extension this offseason, it's just implied that you basically are going to get the going rate for a number one overall pick coming out of your class. So Josh Allen will get the big bucks. Baker, it'll be like the year when um, when Carson Wentz and Jared Goff both got the $33 million or whatever it was going to be. Lamar, Lamar's getting one this offseason. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. They're all going to get their, they're, they're all going to get paid. All those three that are in, the, that are in uh, the playoffs right now, they're all going to get paid. Baker 
went from, he brought himself, he picked himself up off the mat, basically. Okay. After that Steelers game, it was uncertain. I didn't think that he was going to get the extension in the offseason. I mean, he really was going to have to completely turn it around. And he did. He, he did. He proved and did exactly what he needed to do. And he is not done yet. So he's going to get paid. And it's not going to be one of these situations where they give him, you know, 28 million. That's not going to happen. He's going to get the going rate for a number one overall pick coming out of the class of 2018. And I don't even think it's in question anymore. Yeah, I think the second half of the season, he, he showed that that he's the future at quarterback. And when you add the playoff win on top of it, that just kind of just solidifies everything we saw down the stretch. So, yeah, it seems kind of obvious at this point. Um, yeah, and I, I couldn't see him maybe holding back and trying to play for more. <laughs> I, I, he's been through enough over the first few years of his career. I think uh, some stability and, and just uh, – peace of mind going forward is probably going to be a good thing plus that signing bonus you don't want to hold off on that you want to get that as soon as soon as you can uh the other one was nick chubb um again this is a discussion that we could have forever but um i'm trying to remember did we all agree that nick chubb deserved scott did you think nick chubb was an extension guy i think mary mary Kay. i think you were on board with me that you would extend what did we him. talk about was it the beginning of the year I don't know. It was forever ago. <laughs> I remember I'm, I'm, talking. Still on, I'm still on board with giving him a, a reasonable extension, like what we've seen for like Joe Mixon, Derrick Henry, mm-hmm. somebody like that. I remember the beginning of the season uh, wondering, and we talked a lot about it, who was going to mean more to this offense, Kareem Hunt or, or Nick Chubb. And uh, it's clear Nick Chubb is, you know, means a ton. And I don't know that we've really seen everything Kareem Hunt can do, but they've, you know, committed to him. And yeah, I, I don't know what salary wise, what Nick Chubb might get, but you, you clearly need to, to keep that guy. <laughs> yeah. He transcends just, you know, your ordinary, excellent running back. He's more than that. Uh, he's amazing. And now they're even using him more in the passing game and that makes yep. him more valuable. And he is faring very, very well in that role. And, you know, you, you can get a little paid like that too. So, um, so he is establishing himself uh, as, as almost a dual threat in the, in the running game and now in the passing game. And the more, uh, you know, the, the more he goes and scores on a, on a 40 yard screen like that, the more times he's going to get the ball in his hands. So he's been reliable that way. Uh, and he just means so much to this franchise in so many ways that that's another no brainer for me. I mean, they're going to, they're going to extend Baker, Denzel and Nick Chubb. And it's, it's just not even in question in my mind. And, and it's important to note too, with those extensions that, you know, you're going to be able to buy yourself some time because those things aren't going to kick in like next year, you know, with Baker, you're going to have that fourth year and then that fifth year option, which gets a little more expensive, but then that extension would kick in. So you can extend all these guys and still have money to spend um, down the road. So uh, it's not like this team's going to get, get themselves into salary cap hell right away, extending all these guys. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of money handed out by the Cleveland Browns um, this, uh, this off season. One last question here, and this does have to do with money. This does have to do with the salary cap. Um, the Browns are still in a great position in regards to that, even with all the COVID stuff, even with the possibility that it could be a little bit lower. Um, it wouldn't be January if we didn't talk a little bit of draft and a little bit of free agency. 
what are you guys thinking as far as how the Browns should allocate their resources this offseason? Is it as obvious as just go all in on the defense, or is there something else that stands out to you like, hey, go address this? Well, you know what? One of the thing, one of the places where you you need to to beef up your roster a little bit is going to be at the edge rusher. Uh, Olivier Vernon is going to be coming off of a ruptured Achilles. Okay, now if he had not done that, I would have re-signed him. Okay, because he had a phenomenal second half of the season, and he's still young and enough, and and I think that he's someone that now maybe you weren't going to pay him, you know, $12 million or whatever, but I would have re-signed him uh, at a, at a nice amount. And, uh, and now I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if you can afford to do that with someone his age coming off the ruptured Achilles grant Delpit. He should be able to come from back from that just fine. But once you get a little bit older, it might be a little tougher and it's much later in the season, obviously. So you're going to have some money to play with there. You, you can either draft one who's not going to cost you $15 million a year um, or, or you can try to sign an edge rusher. But um, so that's one place where, where I think you need to, to add. The other big decision that's going to be made is do you keep Odell Beckham Jr. or do you trade him? And then that's just going to be a big consideration. And it's not because of his talent, because he's immensely talented. It's because of the $15 million that he's owed next year. Do you want to pay him that much money? There might be somebody else that's, that's willing to do that and take that on in a trade situation if the Browns decide to go in another direction. Yeah, I would say uh, I think everything does lean towards the defense and, and trading Odell could certainly help with that. Um, but yeah, edge rusher, cornerback, and linebacker, I think, are three spots where the Browns are probably going to target it combination of the draft and, and free agency. Uh, you might've solved your safety issue. I mean, nobody knows what Grant Delpit's going to be in the NFL, but they seemed ready to give him a big role this year. And I don't see why that would change next year. And now you have Ronnie Harrison in that equation. So, so maybe you're, you're okay <laughs> if you put those two together, but I think they do need help at linebacker. And I think at this point you, you need, to find another body to play opposite Denzel Ward. Uh, I, you, can they count on Greedy Williams? I, I don't know. I don't think Terrence Mitchell is the answer they want opposite him next season. So, and then like you said, Mary Kay, Ed Drescher seems kind of like an obvious one. Uh, let me back up a little bit on the Terrence Mitchell, Greedy Williams thing. Terrence Mitchell's contract is up. I would resign him in a heartbeat. I think he's done a really nice job this year. And even if he's not your starter, he's a heck of a back. Oh, yeah. A heck of a third corner. So I would do that in a absolute New York minute. Uh, greedy. We just don't know what's what's going to happen with him. Grant, I think he will come back. And I do think they're set at the safety position. Greedy, you have to hope he comes back healthy. But nobody knows for sure how that that stinger type sort of shoulder nerve damage is going to heal itself. So you might be looking at a, a, another starting cornerback. If you can't find one, and if you had to go with Denzel and Terrence next year as your starters, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Right. And, and look, the thing with Greedy that we have to remember is, you know, because you don't know what he is, you, you can't just write it in pen because things are different now for this team. You're going into next year. You want to win the AFC North. You want to win, you, you know, you want to compete with 
and beat the Chiefs. And, you know, you want to be the best team in the AFC. So there's no more like, eh, let's see what we got in this guy. You, you've got to go fill those spots with guys that, that you believe in and, and can trust. So Greedy's going to have to earn it next year. All right, that'll do it for this uh, Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We have had a ton hitting your guys' feed recently. Uh, of course, we got this daily pod. We've got two episodes of Got to Watch the Tape. Uh, Terry Pluto's podcast hit earlier. We're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, conversation with him hit earlier today. So all kinds of pods coming your way to get you ready for the Kansas City Chiefs. So you have to make sure you are subscribed. We actually had a question from a texter. How do I listen to the pod? Well, search for Orange and Brown Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And then, of course, if you want to get in on texting Football Insider, go to cleveland.com slash browns and click on the blue banner. Scott and Mary Kay, thanks for the time. I'll talk to you guys later. 